It always looks so weird when a calendar changes, doesn't it? Like, I mean, again, I think the other day I wrote like 1997 on a on a on a, on a thing, um, just because you know I don't know why, but 2023. So we we said it. I'll say happy Happy New Year. It's a new year. Um, with new years come new things. I mean, it's almost like this this new beginning for a lot of people. It's funny how we go from screaming and shouting at midnight to all of a sudden it's a it's a new thing. Um, and people make these resolutions or promises about things that they won't do or things that they will do or things that they won't eat or things that they will eat. I mean, it's like we got this fresh start and, and we're excited about the fresh start. You know, there's something about being in church. I thought about it. How cool was it that the first day of the year we get to be in church, we get to have communion, we get to worship with one another, we get to eat together later. I mean, that's a great way to start a new year. I mean, we're, we're setting ourselves up. For, for something uh, when we're following that. But I thought about new seasons and how in life we have new seasons. You know, when you get married, there's firsts that you have. And when you have a kid, especially, they sell books where you can write down every first that your kid ever does, right? We write down the first time they, like, smile or the first time they, they go to the bathroom, the first diaper we change. We, we talk about the first time they, they hug us or the first time uh, they roll over or the first time they pull themselves up or the first time they take a step or, or the first time they, they lose a tooth or they get a tooth. I mean, all we do is look for the first when we have a new kid. So with a new year, thinking about firsts, I went in my studies this day to the first words of Jesus. Now, I get it. We're not looking at the first things Jesus said. Obviously, he talked before we have the red in the Bible. But my plan for this morning is to look at Jesus's uh, first words. And so what I did, and we're just going to do this. I'm going to let the, the, the Bible preach for us. That's always a good thing to do, just for the record. Um, I went to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I looked at the first words that were in red in each one of them. The red words, if your Bible doesn't do that anymore, your cell phone, whichever one it is, those were typically the words of Christ. They put them in red when you got there. And so I looked at what Jesus said first in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I was pretty impressed at the sermon in which it preached. Um, Now, I want to put this disclaimer out there. I recognize that contextually these words took place in circumstance, there were things going on in each one of these situations that caused Jesus to say what he said. And, and what he said was very relevant to the circumstance or the situation in which he was in. But what I find profound is, um, fortunately, excuse me, Brent this morning brought up a verse in Proverbs that we had read about the, 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 the heart being a reflection of us. So oftentimes what comes out in circumstance is what's inside of us. So I think it's okay for me to look at these words of Christ and let them preach to us today, not just to the situation he was in. Does that make sense? We're all on the same page. I'm going to pray, God, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for the truth of Jesus Christ. I thank you for the first words of Jesus that are going to speak to our hearts this day. I look forward to what you intend to accomplish. I pray for us that we would be yielded to you. Our ears would be open, our eyes would be open, our hearts, our souls would be open to receiving what you need for us. God, I pray that your will would be accomplished, that no will of man would stand in the way of what you need to do today, in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So uh, we're just going to go through the Gospels. We're going to start in the Gospel of Matthew, go Mark, Luke, and John this morning. So the first thing we see Jesus speaking in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And you, do you come to me? Jesus replied. Now, I want you to say, so the context, John was a Baptist. He was the one that came before Jesus. He's been talking to repent because the, the, the Messiah is coming. That was the role he had. And Jesus shows up. John was baptizing a bunch of people. That was part of what he did. And, and, and so Jesus shows up and he says, I want to be baptized. And John's like, no, I'm not good enough to baptize you. Like, we need to switch roles here. Like, you baptize me. And Jesus' response, I love his response. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. Uh, Jesus' words, he looks at John and he says, no, we've got to do this. Why? Because God has an absolute plan for his life. Jesus Christ came, why? To fulfill all righteousness. And so I know he's looking at John and saying, in this moment, I need to submit, or you need to submit and allow me to be baptized. But the entire plan for Jesus Christ, when God sent him in this world, for God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son, was to fulfill all righteousness. That's the reason in which Jesus Christ came. What is righteousness? What does that mean? That's one of these big church words that sometimes we're not so certain about. Well, wrongness is the opposite of rightness. Everything in the world was broken. God had a plan to restore things to make them right. That's where righteousness comes in. Remember, we read in Scripture, my righteousness is filthy rags. We can only be made righteous by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. There's a brokenness that's in this world. Jesus Christ was sent because that brokenness needed to be made right. And what he's saying in this moment is it it, it transcends his entire life, right? I came to fulfill all righteousness. So whether it was John's baptism, or it was calling the disciples, or it was the the persecution he endured, whether it was the cross and, and the death of Jesus Christ, his arrest, he said what? I'm doing this, why? To fulfill all righteousness. Apart from what I'm doing, things cannot be made right. Apart from the life that Jesus Christ is living... We can't have things made whole. It can't be done. The purpose, the, the plan that God had when he sent Jesus Christ was absolutely to fulfill all righteousness so we could experience the goodness of God. We love singing about it. We can't experience it if it hadn't been for Jesus Christ. If we haven't gone through the way, the truth, and the life, the one who was sent, we can't experience the righteousness of God. We will never find righteousness in full or fulfilled in us apart from Jesus Christ. It's impossible. That's the plan that God had when he sent his son. Look at Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Love that verse. It's not wrong. There's no condemning. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because they're righteous. 
Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. We'll get to that in just a second. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin, so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met, righteousness fulfilled. In us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So in Matthew, in this Gospel of Matthew, we're seeing Jesus' first words really do reveal to us God's plan for Jesus' life. Whether he was saying it to John in that moment about baptism, it is absolutely God's plan for Jesus' life. His plan was to fulfill all righteousness. That's what he needed him to do. So we'll move on to Mark. Mark is a little bit more cut and dry. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The first thing we see Jesus saying is that the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The the beauty of this is we had God's plan initially. Now we get God's proclamation. What is God declaring through Jesus Christ? What are his words? The time has come. It's now the appropriate season. This is the message of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the the most common thing that he taught on is he went out and ministered was literally the kingdom of God. Sometimes we think it was heaven and hell and sin and all this stuff. What he taught on was the revelation of the kingdom of God. He said, the time has now come. Guess what's going to be revealed? The kingdom is near. The kingdom was near. Why? Because Jesus was about to fulfill all righteousness and allow his kingdom to be revealed to us. Just like communion, the kingdom of God is today and the kingdom of God is coming. We live in his kingdom today. Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come. There's a prophecy in the Old Testament, Isaiah uh, 61. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good News to proclaim good news, right? The time has come. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for the captives, relief darkness for prisoners. I mean, that's what Jesus is doing. That's his his proclamation is that the time has come. There's a new kingdom that is coming. Remember, there's a God of this age who rules this world. At one point in our lives, before Jesus Christ, we were under the authority of sin and death. There was a law of sin that was governing our lives. And Jesus Christ is saying, I have come, and what I'm bringing with me is a new kingdom. It's a new authority. That's why scriptures tell us, if you profess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, he's the Lord of this kingdom. And when his kingdom is being revealed, the good news that he has to bring is that no longer are you in that old kingdom. Sorry. No longer do you have to be in that old kingdom. He's saying to us, he's saying the the good news, the proclamation, the fulfillment of God's plan is that he's bringing good news to the people. And he's telling us the, the time has come. I want to say this morning, if you're not in the kingdom of God, the time has absolutely come. The kingdom of God is near. And you have a choice. And he tells us what the choice is. You see, you've got to repent. 
and believe the good news. You've got to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, and then you're saved. You see, the kingdom is near, but he's not going to force you into his kingdom. He's going he's to ask you to change the position of your life. He's going to ask you, that's the message, is that there's, there's a good kingdom here. Now, you have a choice on whether you're going to enter in or not. You're going to believe whether this is good news or this is just some news. Because if you genuinely believe that it's good news, you're going to change the position in which you're in to experience the kingdom of God. You know? If you want to be on the winning team, the time is now. Levi. Levi Van Beek. Appreciate you. He came to me two weeks ago. He's a Colts fan. He wants to be on the winning team now. He said, can I be a Bengals fan? Repent because the kingdom is near. There's truth there. I get it. That's a terrible analogy. I'm not saying everyone has to come be Bengals fan. But what I'm saying is, at times in our lives, we're, we, we, we wrestled with an allegiance to a kingdom that was absolutely destroying us. That kingdom was leading to death. That kingdom was leading to us falling apart. And we clung to that until we had no hope. But we had to let that go before we could come into the kingdom. We can't be in both kingdoms. It's not possible to be in both kingdoms. We're in the kingdom of this world or we're in the kingdom of God. We have to decide where our allegiance is. And to get there, we must repent. That means we must change. That means we must turn from what was to experience what is. That's the good news. Luke Oh, wait, I guess I got a scripture to read. John 3. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. How can someone be born again when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and of the spirit. Because flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. There's a change in us. The kingdom of God, it's not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the good news of the kingdom. It's not just about a good carrion. It's about righteousness, being made right, the peace of God that transcends understanding, joy that comes in the morning that doesn't make sense at time, and the promises that are fulfilled through the Holy Spirit. That's his kingdom. Now we'll get to Luke. Luke was one that was challenging for me. Uh, the context of Luke, before I read the verses, uh, this one happens earlier in his life than any of the other ones that I'm going to quote this morning. Uh, when Jesus was about 12 years old, his parents decided to take him to the temple to dedicate him to the Lord. And what happened when they went to the temple? Uh, the assumption is they were with a bunch of people, like a whole family deal. Uh, I guess they were celebrating together as a family. And so Joseph and Mary left, and Jesus wasn't with them. And they traveled away from the temple. Uh, they assumed that, that, that someone else in the family had Jesus with them. 
In about three days, they realize they didn't have Jesus. And so they come back to the temple, and they're trying to figure out, they like retrace their steps. This is the last place we saw them, so let's go check there. So that's where we're at. Um, Mark chapter 1, when his parents, I'm sorry, this is not Mark chapter 1. Did I skip it? Is it Luke chapter 2? Yeah, it should be Luke chapter 2. Sorry. It says Mark 1 up there. Ignore that. Um, Luke chapter 2, verses 48 and 49 is what I'm going to read. So the 48 and 49 are right, but the Mark was wrong. I'm fallible. Um, When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And verse 49, the first words in red we see in, in the Gospel of Luke, why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was trying to say to them. Uh, when you picture this moment, I can't imagine the context of Mary and Joseph when it says they were anxiously searching for him. Can you imagine the oh my? I mean, we've all been in Walmart before and couldn't find a kid. Can you imagine being like miles away and not finding your kid? There's an anxiety. There's a, there's a something that comes. And then when you find your kid, can you imagine your kid looking at you and being like, what were you looking for me for? Like that's literally the response. Three days. Mary's all anxious and worked up. And Jesus says, what were you looking for me for? Uh, the new American or the the new King James, I, I just wrote it down. He said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I, hey, I must be about my father's business? Literally, I must be in the things that are my father's. You know, it's interesting as I thought about these words in the context of this. Jesus's assurance to his parents is like, why are you so anxious? But don't we get worked up about finding things in this life? We're looking so hard for things. We're looking so hard for stuff. We get ourselves in this, in this position of unsettled or anxiousness. We're so concerned about what tomorrow looks like. We're so worried about what it might be or, or what's going to happen or what's going to transpire. And Jesus is saying, what are you looking for me for? Because if you're really looking for me, guess where you look? In my father's house. I mean, if you're really looking for me, I'm be doing what my dad asked me to do. But the problem is, what I think this speaks to us is God's place. Like, God is in his father's business. Jesus Christ, if you really want to find him, you're going to find him about the father's business. Too often we're looking in all the wrong places. Like, looking for love in all the wrong places. Like, that was the song. Like, that's literally what we're doing with Jesus Christ. We're sitting here running around chasing this and that. We're pursuing things. We're looking in all the wrong places. When he says there's a place that you'll find me. It's about my father's business. Yeah, we're too consumed seeking things, getting ourselves all worked up. The promise in Jeremiah, he says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. 
It's not a mystery. Sometimes we've made Jesus and finding Jesus and the fullness of his love so complicated. We're the ones complicating things. We're the ones making it difficult. Because we're looking in all the wrong places. We think we're going to find fulfillment here. And we think we'll find forgiveness there. We're looking for, 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 for stuff and we're looking for things and we're pursuing all this stuff that we think will make our lives right. Remember, Jesus came for what purpose? To fulfill all righteousness. We think that if we just have this peace put in our life, then suddenly things will be okay. And we pursue this and we pursue that. And Jesus is like, why are you looking so hard? Why are you running so hard after all these other things? I'm right here. What are you truly seeking? Because if you're looking for me, guess where you'll look? You'll look about my father's business. Acts 17. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offering. God's not good at hide and seek. We played last night in our house, so we've done dark hide and seek in our house before. And we've had flashlights last night, which is straight darkness in our house, hide and seek. Okay? I hid so my kids would not find me. The point of me hiding was not that they would, was that they would not find me. That if they looked, they would not find me. And I tell you what, when they finally said, Dad, where are you at? I waited till they got close. <laughs> Graham looked like a cat. I mean, his hair flopping. He jumped 13 feet over the kitchen table because I scared the bejeebies out of him. Jesus is in hiding so we won't find him. He said, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. That's the promise. God did this so that they would seek him. That they would look for him, perhaps reach out to him and find him. God wants you to discover him. He doesn't want to remain a mystery that you don't understand. He doesn't want to be this thing that you can't comprehend. God desires that you would seek him so you could find him. Perhaps find him. You see, God had a plan, a proclamation, and a place. And John, this was actually where I started and I didn't change it again, so I apologize. I really missed my headers this time. We're not in Mark anymore. John chapter 1. The situation we see Jesus' first words. The next day John was there, again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. 
John's walking with two disciples, and he sees Jesus, and he says, look, there's the Lamb of God. So what happens? The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them and asked, this first phrase should be in red as well, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Verse 39, now this is again, he said, come and you will see. The words in red that we see in the Gospel of Juke, the Gospel of John, Juke, that's John and Luke combined, just in case you're wondering. The words that we see Jesus speaking, the first thing he asks, these two disciples who were following him, he turns around and looks at them and says, what do you want? You know, I want to ask that question this morning. What do you want? Why'd you come to church today? Why do you call yourself a Christian? Why are you walking behind Jesus? What do you want? What is it that you are truly seeking? What do you want? Sometimes we don't answer that question for ourselves. Because it's given us a path. Yeah, there was a plan, there was a proclamation, there was a place, but now he's telling us how to get there. You know, what do you really want? I talked about seeking. What are you truly seeking? What is it that you need? I was thinking about this year. I ended Sunday school with it. I'll talk about it again right now. What is it that, did, that in this year you want? Like when it comes, well, what is it that you want? Peace and hope. What is it that you're looking for? Because oftentimes what we want is going to show us where our heart is. Those two guys said, I want a cheeseburger. He just said, go to McDonald's. I wanted to see what kind of sandals you had. I kind of liked those. He just told them what kind of sandals they were. Like, what do you want? Like, that's a huge question in Scripture. To me, it's a profound question that God is asking each and every one of us. What do you want? Do you want fame? What do you want? Do you want popularity? Do you want accolades? Do you want success? Do you want fortune? Like, what do you want? You want righteousness, peace, joy, and love? And Jesus says, Come. I'll tell you what, one of the most challenging words in Scripture is come. He says it to the disciples. Remember the story of them on on the boat when he's calling his disciples? When he says to them, come follow me and I'll make you uh, fish for people. I'll make you fishers of men. Listen to what he says in, in Matthew chapter 16 to his disciples. Jesus said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You see, coming is a hard word. It goes back to that word repentance. Because for those disciples to come with Jesus... 
They had to leave John. For the disciples on their boats to come and follow Jesus, they had to leave their dad. They had to leave their business. They had to turn from, from something. This come word, it's such a profound word. It's, a, it's this repositioning of ourself because if you truly want it, then you will come. If you truly need it, you will come. Like, what do you want? Well, well I want peace. I want hope. Well, then Come. Where do I come? I come wherever Jesus wants me to go. Because he promises if you come, it's not up there anymore, can't point to it. You will see. Like, what do you want? I want to know where you live. Well, come and you'll see. I mean, it's not that, that spiritually, theologically profound, the moment that's happening in Scripture, but today it's a profound truth for us. What do you really want? You have to come. That means you have to leave what you've been following. You have to you come follow Jesus Christ. He says in verse uh, Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the promise. That's the path. Yeah, he had a plan. His plan was to fulfill all righteousness. He proclaimed to all those who could hear, the kingdom of God is, is near. Repent. And, and receive the good news. He says, what are you seeking? Why are you seeking me? Because you know where to find me when you seek me with your whole heart. If you'll just come and follow me. You guys can come forward. The first words of Jesus. The first words that, that we've read in the Gospels are words that I believe speak to us today. God's plan is still the same. His plan is for you to, be, to have the fulfillment of all righteousness in your life. His word is still the same. The good news hasn't changed. The kingdom of God is near. Or for some, the kingdom of God is here. If you're not in the kingdom, then guess what? You've got to repent. We repeat that time and time again. You can keep looking, but I promise you where you're going to find the love of God. I promise you where you're going to find forgiveness. I promise where you're going to find fulfillment. It's going to be found in Jesus Christ. The best place to find him is about his father's business. If you can't figure out where he's at, Mary and Joseph went back to the last place they saw him. Let's go back to the cross. That's a good place to start looking. Because at the cross, he said, my kingdom is here. Because the law has now been completely fulfilled. The reality that there's a punishment for that sin, or for sin, that punishment is death. It's taken care of. Now there's a promise for redemption, there's a promise in my kingdom that promises eternal life, that promises forgiveness, that promises that you're now a joint heir with Jesus Christ. There's a plan to fulfill all righteousness. The kingdom is near. Seek and you'll find. 
Come and you'll see. This morning as, as they lead us in a chorus, I, I want to open up uh, an opportunity for you uh, to spend time either where you're at or at the altar. And then he says, what do you want? Like, what do you want? Let's answer that question. What do you want? This morning, do you want peace and hope? This morning, do you want joy and love? You want a purpose or a plan? forgiveness do you want a fresh start or a new beginning you want the freedom that comes in his kingdom so we know what we want it's easier to find this morning he's saying come come and you'll see in this context coming might mean coming forward and praying with me or finding someone else in the church that you trust and and praying with them or or isolating yourself to a, a position where you can just spend some time talking to the father Jesus is close to us he is here he inhabits the praises of his people if you seek him you will find him there's no reason to leave today without knowing you found him without knowing your place in his kingdom father this morning I pray for us I thank you for the words of Jesus I thank you for the sermon that you wrote Thank you that righteousness is now possible through Jesus Christ. I thank you that the kingdom of God is near and I have a place in it. I thank you, God, that I can find you. I thank you that you are the answer, the way, the truth, and the life. So this morning, God, in this place, I pray that as we ask the question of ourselves, of what we want that we answer that question to you this day. God, this is what I want. And as we answer that question, Lord, that you say to us, come and you will see. You reveal every promise. You reveal every purpose. In Jesus' name. Amen. The altars are open if you'd like to come forward. If you want to find someone in the sanctuary to pray with. If you want to spend some time by yourself in prayer with the Lord, that's great. If you want to spend some time in praise with God while they're singing, that's great. But it's an opportunity for us to respond to the Word of God. Those are His first words. They're good words. I hope those words continue to speak to you this week, this month, this year. That we can see the fulfillment. I think that's going to be my phrase. The fulfillment of all righteousness. I love that phrase in our lives, in our home, in my kids, in my church, the fulfillment of all righteousness.
The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may he turn his face towards you, grant you his peace. And may you know his plan, hear his words, seek him and find him. Amen? Amen. Be blessed.